Here's the question, how do runners like us remain active, get stronger, and heal from injuries without being told to stop running and create a healthy life for ourselves so we can continue to hit PRs well into our 40s and 50s? This is the question and this podcast is the answer. My name is Dr. Dwayne Scotty, physical therapist, educator, and creator of Spark Physical Therapy. Welcome to the Healthy Runner Podcast. Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Healthy Runner Podcast. Hopefully you are listening to this on a very productive run right now. If you are, shout out to you. Um, Keep getting out there, hitting the pavement, running, doing what you love, and staying healthy along the way. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about adding in routine self-mobility and soft tissue care for you as a runner. So do you get tightness in your muscles or feel aches and pains during your run? You might be feeling that right now. Do you know you should be stretching and performing stretching exercises to make you a better runner, but you're not sure exactly what you should be doing? So the specific tips that I'm going to share are going to be the strategies, and we're gonna talk about four specific ways you can take care of your soft tissue or your muscles, tendons, that will translate into helping you crush your 2020 goals and beyond. So in this episode, we will cover some common questions I hear often, which include, should you add foam rolling into your program? When is the best time to stretch? What types of stretches should you perform? And will stretching help prevent injuries? We're also going to be cover, what are those metal tools I see? So kind of the Graston um, tools or the instrument-assisted soft tissue mobilization tools, those scraping tools. And then we're actually going to get into another topic, a specialty topic called dry needling and what it actually is and how does that fit into the the picture that we're going to be talking about today. So this is episode five of this series. So our, our first kind of sparking off this Healthy Runner podcast, we're covering what I like to call the spark blueprint on how to run stronger and healthier without injuries. And we really did a nice little deep or uh, surface level introduction to how you're going to do that in episode one. And then we talked about adding in strength training to your running, which was our first tip of our five tips for healthy running or our 5K tips for healthy running. Then we talked about in our third episode, we talked about tip number two, which was jump training and adding in plyometric exercises. In the last episode, we talked about tip number three, which was adding in specifically weight-bearing and single-leg exercises to your program. Now we're going to be talking about adding in routine self-mobility and soft tissue care. So why is this important? Why should you be performing soft tissue care? Why should you begin some self-care in there? So why did I add it as part of the Spark Blueprint? So as we talked about in the last episode, when we're running, we're constantly contracting your muscles every time your foot hits the pavement. So you're lengthening your muscle, contracting it, lengthening it, contracting it. Over time, those muscles will become shorter if you don't restore them back to their resting length. So you're constantly, continuously contracting those muscles with every step you take as a runner. So over time, those muscles are going to get shorter with all of these repeated contractions. So that's why we need to do some self-care for these muscles, 
for the tendons. So the tendons are the structures that connect your muscle to your bone. And we need to take care of these things or they start breaking down. And then we get these soft tissue injuries that you may have experienced before, such as upper hamstring pain at the top part of the tendon where it connects to your bone. You might feel tightness in your hamstring, cramping in your hamstring. You might have tight calves that are contributing to your Achilles pain or your plantar fasciitis foot pain, right? So we need to take care of our soft tissues and these muscles because you're an athlete, you're running, you're constantly using these muscles. So we need to do some self-care for those muscles. So kind of quick aside here, I don't know if you guys have ever gone to a spa before, but I've never done that until I was uh, 40. So I just turned 40 this past October. And as part of my gift, my wife and I and the family, we went down to Disney, we're big Disney fans. So we went down to Disney, stayed at Old Key Resort, highly recommend it by the way. But during that trip, we did do a spa day for the first time at Saratoga Springs. And that was probably the most amazing thing I've ever done in my life. And it was, we definitely did a massage, but then also the relaxation room and going in the whirlpool and doing, so I got some good self-care for my soft tissues, for my muscles. And that was actually key because that was right after the Hartford half marathon. So I went through a, a kind of my biggest race of the season, if you will, where I really try to go out as hard as possible and get a good time. So my training was really hard toward the end, ramping up after the race, it was really good to take care of those soft tissues. So we do need to, we, we have a tendency to go, 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 right? And really push the limits, push your body. It is important to add in this routine soft tissue care and self-mobility exercises in order to actually improve as a runner. Now, what can you do to improve your muscle length or take care of those soft tissues to get rid of that soreness or that tight feeling that you feel in your muscles when you run. So we are going to break down and give you four strategies going from most conservative or least aggressive that you can do on your own in the comfort of your home and then progress to other techniques that you can seek out medical attention for. So the first thing we're gonna talk about is foam rolling. And this can include a traditional foam roller or can be one of those running or rolling sticks, right? So they're the sticks that you kind of roll over your muscles. You can do your hamstrings if you put your leg up on, let's say, a step, and you get right underneath and you roll back and forth your hamstring. I particularly like the rolling sticks for races because they're easy to travel with, and most likely you're not going to want to hop on the ground in the parking lot before a race somewhere or on a random field. So the rolling sticks work out really well in that they travel um, easily and can be a nice alternative. So what does it do when we are foam rolling or using a rolling stick? Well, I can tell you what it doesn't do, and it does not actually elongate your tissues or make your muscles looser um, from a structural standpoint. Why do you feel looser after you foam roll is because we're stimulating your nervous system. So your brain sends signals to your muscles and to either facilitate muscles or to inhibit muscles. And a lot of times in many of the runners I see, these muscles are in this kind of heightened state of awareness. And they're constantly in this facilitatory state because like we mentioned before, when you run, you're contracting your muscles over and over again. So when we are actually rolling over those muscles, we're stimulating the nerves 
in that area that supply the muscle, the fascial connections around the muscle. So the fascia is like the saran wrap over your muscles. And that is the layer right underneath your skin. So we're rolling our skin, we're rolling the fascia, we're stimulating nerves, which is causing signals to go to your brain, which actually helps inhibit some of your muscles. You can also utilize it to facilitate muscles before contraction. And that really goes to when you should be performing foam rolling. So I'm a big fan of doing foam rolling pre-run to actually feel a little bit looser. You know, you sense that you're looser and you're actually stimulating the nervous system at the same time before you do some muscle activation exercises, as we talked about in our tip number one or episode number two of the podcast on doing some activation exercises for your running muscles. So I would recommend performing foam rolling then, not too long though. So no more than 30 to 60 seconds per muscle. We don't wanna do too much foam rolling, since you're gonna really inhibit the system and you're not gonna be able to kick in those muscles for your run. If you have time to perform after your runs, that can be also be beneficial, especially for your long runs. So think about those long weekend runs, especially if you're training for 26.2 and you're running the full marathon, those 20 milers, they can be brutal. Your muscles feel very tight right afterwards and they're gonna be really resistant to do any stretching right after your run. So I found most success with myself and the clients that I work with doing foam rolling after those long runs. So does foam rolling need to be painful, right? So you've probably maybe tried foam rolling before and you're like, this thing is painful. Like, why would anyone do this? This thing's a torture device, right? It doesn't need to be painful. So if you've never foam rolled before, then it most likely is gonna be very uncomfortable and painful for you to start foam rolling. So what I recommend is you start out with the softer models of the foam roller. So they make them all different density of materials. I would get the soft cushiony ones first until your body adapts to that. And when you start, it might be a little discomfort, a little discomfort's okay. It shouldn't be excruciating pain. And then as your body adapts to the pressures and feels looser and you're able to tolerate that, then you build up in your density of foam roll. Then you go to the black density foam roller. And then you go to the one with the hard plastic on the inside and the foam on the outside. And then you progress to the one with the knobs on it. So the rumble roller. And then you progress the density of that to the black one, which is the one I have, the one I love. And that's the one I use in the gym. That's the one that's next to my TV in my living room. And so there's a progression there. The other thing is, if it's really, really painful, then you're probably not getting the desired effect that you would like to get out of foam rolling. So I commonly see this in a lot of runners, especially for IT band syndrome. And you might've been told that you need to roll your IT bands. The one thing that I found a lot of success with, as opposed to going for the kill and rolling the most outer part of your thigh, getting right on the IT band and you roll over it and you're like writhing in pain and you're like, oh, I know this is supposed to help me. And you've been doing that forever and your iliotibial band syndrome is not going away. First off, it is usually a muscle strength problem. So go back to our first um, tip on strengthening your running muscles, specifically your hip abductors, so those side hip muscles. And then going back to our last episode that we talked about the weight bearing exercises, that's key to getting iliotibial band syndrome corrected. But I have found success rolling just in front 
of the IT band as well as just behind the IT band. So you can do that by angling your body. You angle your body just in front, you do some rolling 30 seconds, and then you angle it just behind, roll 30 seconds. This will cause a decompressive effect to the iliotibial band. And this is actually, I learned this technique when I did the instrument assisted soft tissue mobilization course. And we talked about doing some of those using the tools for just in front and just behind the IT band. And I applied that to my foam rolling. So I tried it on myself. I was like, wow, this feels actually a lot better. And I actually feel looser after I do it. And then I started incorporating that with my clients and gotten some really good results um, doing this specific type of iliotibial band foam rolling. So if you want a video of how to actually perform that, I have that on my YouTube channel, Spark Your Training. If you go to foam rolling playlist, you'll see all foam rolling exercises for every muscle group. There is an iliotibial band one or in the show notes, I'll just drop the link to that video so you don't need to go um, hunting for it. But when you do click that link, I would appreciate if you subscribe to the YouTube channel. It will just help kind of some of those videos get out to more runners just like you. So the next thing I want to talk about besides going in for the kill and it being painful and it doesn't need to be painful, it should be tolerable, is performing foam rolling with active mobility. So this is another kind of strategy technique that I really applied from the instrument assisted kind of course that I went to when I'm doing with my runners in the clinic and we're performing some of the manual therapy techniques, we apply it with active mobility as a progression. So I started applying those principles to foam rolling. And one area that I really love this is the calf muscle. So if you have tight calves, if you've had a history of Achilles pain, if you've had heel pain, plantar fasciitis, so all, both of those conditions are usually associated with decreased muscle length in your calf muscle and or trigger points in the calf muscle that contribute to both of those kind of common running injuries that we see. And performing the foam rolling for your calf muscle with first isolating out different sides of the calf muscle. So you have a inside portion of your calf muscle called the medial gastroc muscle belly or head. And then you have the lateral portion, the outside part. So first you know, putting the foam roller right in that specific area by turning your toe in, we'll get the inside part, turning your toe out, we'll get the outside part. Whichever one is most tender, sensitive, you have a trigger point there. So then I'll roll over that 30, 60 seconds. You can actually even just pin it, hold it, see if it releases, and then move down to the area where your muscle connects to your tendon. So that's your Achilles tendon, and we call this area the muscular tendinous junction that's usually kind of bound down and restricted in most runners. So now put your foam roller right in that area between where the tendon and the muscle connects and roll over that a little bit, incorporating active mobility or active motion. So what you're gonna do is as you're rolling, you're gonna bring your toe up toward your head and then you're gonna point your toe down. So you're doing kind of flexion of the ankle and plantar flexion of the ankle or pointing. So you're going back and forth, almost like pumping the pedal of you know your gas pedal when you're driving. So those of you who are driving right now, do not pump your gas pedal repetitively because the people behind you driving might think you're a little intoxicated or you're not, uh, you're not in the right state of mind. So don't practice that while you are driving, practice it when you have your foam roller. And again, guys, I will drop the link of how to actually perform that video right in the show notes. So you can go ahead and find out how to, or my kind of recipe for foam rolling your calf muscle 
specifically that I found very beneficial for the runners that I worked with. So we covered foam rolling. So what is another strategy that you can do to take care of your soft tissue, improve your muscle length? It's stretching. So I'm sure you have heard about stretching. I'm sure you probably feel guilty as a runner that you're not stretching enough, that you've been told you have tight muscles, you feel you have tight muscles, and you know you should be stretching. You might feel that because you're not stretching, that's why you feel pain. So we're gonna get into all this right now. We're gonna kind of break it down. First thing I wanna talk about is what are the types of stretching? So there are two main types of stretching. The first we're gonna talk about is static stretching, which is this is probably what you, you think of stretching where you're holding a stretch or a position for 30 to 60 seconds. So you're holding it for any length of time. That's static stretching, static holding. Dynamic stretching is where you're gonna hold for a small amount of time. So you hold maybe two, three, tops five seconds, and then you go back to the original position. So you're going back and forth, actively moving, but in a specific motion or position that dynamically stretches the muscle. When should you be performing static and dynamic stretching? Static stretching. And this has been a big change in the strength and conditioning, the exercise um, prescription world from even when I started um, PT school and I graduated with my strength and conditioning certification. We used to do static stretching in the beginning. So we used to do it before our activities. You may still do that. Before you go out for your run, you might hop on the floor, do like a little hamstring stretch. You might go to the track, sit on the floor, start stretching your hamstrings. I caution you to do static stretching before your runs because your muscles are not warmed up at all. They don't have the blood flow in there. They're gonna be um, less pliable. They're gonna resist that stretch, that prolonged stretch. There are actually receptors in our bodies that tighten muscles up to protect it when it's being stretched to the limits, when it's not ready to go there. So save your static stretching, your prolonged holds, till after your runs, after your workouts. That's when you want to do your static stretches. If you're looking for what stretches should you be performing or what static stretches do I recommend, I actually put a whole series together, like a 10-minute stretching routine for all of the muscles in your legs. So that's something that I do with a stretch strap after my runs. Again, you're holding, maybe doing like two or three reps per muscle group, holding 30, 60 seconds. But in this video, I cover all of the main leg muscles that you use when you run. So again, if you want that video, I'm going to drop that in the show notes. Show notes. It is called the 10 minute static stretching, um, you know, routine for you to do after your run. So now let's get into dynamic stretching. Dynamic stretching, as I said before, is movement. So this is where you're prepping your body for running. And that's best to perform before your runs, because you're actually contracting your muscles at the same time, lengthening them gently. So it is a form of a warm-up. It's kind of a dynamic warm-up or dynamic stretching routine. Think about before your runs performing this type of stretching. If you want a video of that and the dynamic warm-up, so at local road races this past year, it's been kind of, um, this has been very fulfilling for me at being able to help more local runners out at the Fairfield half, I just kind of put it out there on my personal page on Facebook, anyone running the Fairfield half, I wanna be doing this warm up. anyone wanna join me? And I had literally had two people um, join, 
But their feedback was awesome. They were like, wow, this is so helpful. I didn't know I should be doing this. Wow, I felt really prepared for the race. Whereas previously, I didn't feel that prepared when I would go into a race. So then I was like, oh, maybe this could help others out. So then we did this at Guilford at the uh, 10 miler over the summer in July. And we had about 12 to 14 people participate. And then it kind of built from there. We were at New Haven. We had a huge group in New Haven. There was probably 25 to 30 runners that we did a nice little warm-up jog. And then we went out for a dynamic stretching routine. And I'm going to actually drop the link to those dynamic stretches in the show notes as well. So you can see what I like to do to dynamically stretch and prime the body. But that is something that we do here in Connecticut at our local races and we call it the spark warm-up so those of you who are in connecticut and you're looking to prime your body before go time keep an eye out i set up events for that and we just basically meet up it's um, free for everyone and we just get a group of runners together we meet up we warm up together and then our bodies are ready to go for race time so those of that are running the cheshire half that will be the first um, race that we will be performing that and then also keep your eyes out on our Spark Physical Therapy business page, as well as in the Healthy Runner Facebook group, as I will be creating those events, and you will hear about the local road races that we will help warm your bodies up before the races. So that's our dynamic stretching. We're gonna perform that before our runs. So now, what does the latest research say with running? So I actually have the pleasure of presenting for the first time at our national conference. So this is the largest physical therapy conference that we have. There's gonna be 30,000 PTs um, next week in Denver, Colorado, and I've never been to Colorado, so it's pretty excited about this, but I am presenting on actually improving shoulder mobility in gymnasts because that's my other kind of specialty area. I do gymnasts and dancers, and so I'm presenting this presentation, and for this presentation, I had to do a thorough literature review and see what the literature says on stretching, and I found a great reference that looked at a systematic review. So this looks at the highest quality articles out there that compare different types of stretches and looking at improvements in muscle length. And without getting too kind of geeky on you and scientific, the basically the overall conclusion is from looking at this wealth of evidence is that in order to improve your muscle length and have an effect on your muscles, you need to stretch more frequently throughout the week so at least five days for shorter bouts of time. So for at least five minutes. So as opposed to stretching one day for like an hour, an hour and a half, and just having like a stretch day or a recovery day, you're going to do your body better by, not even sure if that's a sentence, but you are going to improve your muscle length if you think about incorporating five to 10 minutes of stretching after each of your workouts or after each of your runs. So that is what the latest research says on stretching and when and how you should be performing it. And then the other topic that I hear often and again is something that in the medical field I think was an overall principle in that stretching helps prevent injuries. Nowhere in any of the research has it shown that stretching exercises actually reduces injuries in athletes. So I want you to keep that in mind. And I think that is why you're going to see or you have been seeing this movement toward more other forms of exercises to keep you healthy as a runner. Do I think stretching has its place? Yes, I do. Obviously, because it's part of the Spark Blueprint, right? 
However, in the hierarchy of where it belongs in your programming and where you're training, it was strategically placed as tip number four out of our five tips for healthy running. It was not placed as tip number one because I do feel that the strengthening aspect is more lacking in a lot of the runners that I see who wind up getting running-related injuries. So strengthening exercises and everything we talked about in the first kind of in the last three episodes, really tip number one, strength training, your running muscles, tip number two, jump training, adding in plyometric exercise, and then tip number three, adding in weight-bearing and single-leg exercises, getting that neuromuscular control and control of when your foot hits the ground, when you are running, are more important, and those are going to be more predictors for preventing your injuries as opposed to just stretching. So I hope that makes sense, and, and I hope that kind of shed some light into some of those topics as it relates to stretching. There's a little controversy within um, some of the fitness or the medical field on do you stretch, do you not stretch. I'm a firm believer that it has its place, but I don't think it's the end-all be-all, and I probably would if you were really limited on time. It's more important for you as a runner to get in those strength exercises into your training as opposed to stretching, all right? But stretching does have its place, and as we're talking about today, foam rolling does have its place um, within kind of the total package of keeping you healthy as a runner. All right, so now let's get into the third thing that you can do to treat your soft tissues, and these next two things really require you seeking the guidance of a medical provider. And you know, when should you do this? So this is where I recommend these first two tips that we talked about foam rolling and stretching, you can do on your own, right? And I've given you some resources, but if you're having pain and it's lasting more than three or four days, then you should seek out the attention of a medical provider, specifically someone who specializes in working with runners because running has specific demands that not everyone is aware of in the medical community. And it does help you to see someone who has some specialized coursework, training, and works with a lot of runners and understands the demands of running. So the first thing that I help the runners that I see in my clinic at Spark Physical Therapy is instrument-assisted soft tissue mobilization or massage. So we call this IASTM, the most common form that you hear, at least in our region, in the East Coast, is the Graston technique. So that's the most popular that's actually the course that I went to. Those are the tools that I utilized for a good four years of my career. And then I just switched over um, the last two or three years to the fibroblaster. Um, I personally like those instruments a little bit better. Um, they feel better in my hands. I have more flexibility with the different strokes. But basically, a medical provider does kind of, some people call it scraping. I don't like that term because it doesn't sound great. It sounds painful. This technique should not be painful. It's basically a massage that a massage therapist or a physical therapist would do with their hands, but now we're utilizing tools. So the tools have a couple of benefits. One is that a number one is easier on our hands and we're able to actually maintain more firmer pressure over a longer period of time. And there are different strokes depending upon the tool that feel really good for your soft tissues. So we would treat specific soft tissues such as let's say the calf muscle, with these different instruments, there's different tools or instruments made for different parts of the body with different curvatures of them. Some have convex angles, concave angles. 
Some are more sharper than others. Some have different edges. So there are these different tools that we would select for depending upon different parts of the body. And that can help improve your muscle length, kind of decrease some of that pain you're having, treat trigger points. And that is one form of treatment that you can seek from a medical provider to help you. You can also seek out massage therapy from a qualified massage therapist, or you might see a physical therapist who does soft tissue work with their hands, and that would have the same effect. The other intervention, and the last one we're going to talk about is a newer intervention that physical therapists are utilizing now called dry needling. Now, dry needling is using the same tool, the same exact needle that acupuncturists used for acupuncture. So this is a thin monofilament needle that the main benefit is we can actually insert it deeper into the muscle than what our hands can get to or any of the tools can get to. So that we just talked about those kind of instrument-assisted soft tissue mobilization tools. The needle goes deeper into the muscle itself all the way through the full cross-section of the muscle. But these are very thin needles. They're not painful. Some patients don't even feel the needle go in. It feels like a weird pressure because they are super thin. They're one-tenth the size of a syringe. So if you think about getting your flu shot or any type of blood work, it's one-tenth the size of that. So they're very skinny, thin needles, and physical therapists utilize this more to treat either pain from a neurologic standpoint or to treat active trigger points. So you have these taut bands within your muscles, and especially a lot of runners will have trigger points in the calf muscle, will have trigger points in your side hip muscle, your gluteus medius, that a lot of times is a contributing factor to either having what they call bursitis in the hip, which usually is more of a tendon problem of your gluteus medius muscle, and that's where you get pain on the outside of your hip, and it limits your running, and you get pain when you lay on your side. So usually those conditions, as well as kneecap pain, so patellofemoral pain, will be associated with trigger points in the gluteus medius muscle. So what is a trigger point? A trigger point is when we palpate or you poke at a specific muscle and it's tender underneath that muscle. So that tenderness can be an area that we find on your body and we call that a latent trigger point. Active trigger points actually refer pain remotely. So I can actually poke at a runner's side of their hip and I, I palpate there I find a spot that feels tight to me and I feel the difference in tissue quality and tension. And then that runner says, ooh, I feel that all the way in my foot. That is an active trigger point. That's a referral pain pattern. There is no nerve that goes from the side of your hip all the way down to your foot. So that referral pain is more of a trigger point and that's an active trigger point. So those I believe we should treat. And how do I treat that? With dry needling. So we can actually clear those trigger points and actually get that muscle functioning like it should. So dry needling is something that you treat the trigger points and then you follow it up with soft tissue work and then maybe some stretching and then more importantly, strengthening and neuromuscular control. So now your hip abductor muscle is working like it should when you're running standing on one leg. So that is an intervention or a treatment that you can get done that might require that extra level. So you've tried the foam rolling, you've tried the stretching, and you're just not getting better. You're not seeing improvement. Seek out a medical provider near you who does these interventions. They've been kind of game changers, honestly, in my clinical toolbox since I've started utilizing these the last six years of my career. 
and have been very beneficial for many of the runners that I do help. So as we mentioned before, guys, just kind of putting this into context, this is tip number four within our Spark Blueprint on performing routine, self-mobility, and soft tissue care. The last episode, guys, the last episode of this initial kind of 5K tips for healthy running is going to be keeping consistent and training smart with proper training progression. So let's wrap up what we covered in this episode. We talked about why you should perform self-mobility and soft tissue care as a runner, mainly to restore and recover from your running because you're constantly using those muscles over and over again. Then we talked about four strategies to improve your soft tissue mobility and treat that soft tissue. We talked about two strategies you can do on your own, which is foam rolling, and we got into all the different benefits, how to do it, um, how frequently you should do it, and then we talked about stretching, and we got into all of that with static stretching versus dynamic stretching, which one you should perform before your runs, which one after your runs, and then we talked about two treatments that you can seek out medical guidance from, which is instrument-assisted soft tissue mobilization, or the Graston technique, and then we talked about dry needling, and what is dry needling, how it can help you as a runner. So we did also get into the specific exercises that you can do for foam rolling as well as stretching. So make sure, head over to the YouTube channel, Spark Your Training, and check out those videos. If anything I said resonated with you guys, I please ask you to share this episode with a runner friend that needs to hear this. It's especially important as this podcast launches that we get this in the hands, in the pockets, uh, in the armbands of as many runners as possible. So this can help get the word out to keep runners healthy and runners don't need to run through pain. So again, as you're listening, guys, if, if you really like this episode, then screenshot it on your phone, throw it on your Facebook um, newsfeed, throw it in your Instagram story, tag me, please, um, at Spark Your Training, and I'll be able to give you a shout out, and then I'll be very happy to see that you actually listen to this, because as I'm recording this by myself, I'm talking to myself here. So I would love to know that there are actually people that this is reaching. Um, so thank you so much for taking the time to listen either during your run or during your car commute. Um, I appreciate you and I love our community. Remember every Monday night at 8 p.m. we go live within the Healthy Runner Facebook group. So keep us in mind in your schedule so you can get all the running related questions answered there on the live. Now head over and listen to episode number five in which we are going to be talking about the importance of training. And actually that's going to be episode number six. Um, We're going to talk about the importance of training smart with proper progression. So thank you again and stay active, stay healthy, and just keep running. Until next time. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode. I appreciate you and I hope you got a lot of value out of it. And I hope that becoming a healthy runner is as exciting for you as it is for me. I hope you can see that this podcast can not only benefit your running, but your overall health as well. If I said anything in this episode that resonated with you, then jump over to our free Facebook group called Healthy Runner. I give live trainings in there every single week to the hundreds of members and answer questions directly in there. And I absolutely love hearing your takeaways and your wins from this show. More on the show at sparkyourtraining.com for our latest articles, resources, and specific exercise videos I mentioned in the show. You can also head over to any of our social media accounts 
at Spark Your Training, where I include lots of free content for all the ideas we talked about in the episode. If you have learned anything from this podcast, I would really, really greatly appreciate if you headed over to iTunes and rated and reviewed the show, as well as pass it along to your runner friends so they can have the same ideas and tools that you have. If you have any questions, suggestions, and show ideas, the best way to reach out is through your favorite social media platform. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Stay active, stay healthy, and just keep running. So now it's time to strap in and get ready for the next episode of the Healthy Runner Podcast.